Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. What is consciousness? Is it in all living beings? What happens when we die? Why do we seem so hardwired for a mystical experience? That, along with so many other questions in these times of existential crisis, there has been an explosion of research into consciousness after four decades of silence. Scientists are finally confronting the big questions, cutting a window into the realm previously held tight by philosophy and religion. The film is called Aware glimpses of consciousness. And it is just a a wonderful film on so many different levels. Cinematically, it's a beautiful film to look at, but it asks so many important questions. And we're given a plethora of incredible authorities and mystics and so many different elements to help us answer this question, to help navigate this space. We're joined today by the co-directors of this wonderful film, Fralka Zandig, as well as Eric Black. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. Happy Thank to be you. here. Thank you. I know this has a, been a part of a series of films that you have been producing, but what in particular inspired this particular film, oh, um, Aware? Yeah, thank you, Mike. Um, yes, Aware has been very much inspired uh, from our last film, Heart of Sky, Heart of Earth, which was a film about the indigenous Mayan people of Chiapas and Guatemala, the Mayan of today, the spiritual world, but also their fight against environmental destruction and uh, to keep their own spirituality. And um, I think their worldview on the natural world and on consciousness inspired us very much to investigate our own beliefs uh, Um, about consciousness and especially one uh, protagonist of the last film, Floridalma Perez. She's a Mayan spiritual guide and she confronted us uh, very much when she said in our interview, uh, you white people, you always see everything as separate, like here's the tree, here's the house and here's the animal and and here are you. And we we indigenous people, we always have seen everything as interconnected. And so that gave us a lot to think and and was also one of the first inspirations to investigate consciousness. It was a provocation really for not only to make the film, but also for us ourselves that the Maya are very spiritual people. And we, we were there for three years making this film. And one of the conversations that we would regularly have or that would be question that would be asked of us is what are you doing on your spiritual journey today so as though we were going to the supermarket or you know in a way that you know I grew up in central Ohio and this wasn't a normal question in my life at all so it inspired us to really turn the cameras around figuratively on ourselves meaning on our, our on our own society and ask what is it that we believe well where's the first step then in terms of who do you approach sort of how do you how do you begin your journey in terms of making aware? You know, I grew up in central Ohio and I was very, always been very comfortable, even proud of the fact that, you know, on one hand I had held science in one hand as something dear to me and spirituality was something else that I held in my other hand, never thinking that 
you know, that these are not separate worlds. I mean, this is the classic Cartesian dialectic, but very proud of that. And I think a lot of people in the United States or in the West do that without ever questioning how these two things come together. I mean, this is, it's only one world that we have here. Yeah. Well, Franca, in terms of just who you approached first, in terms of the kind of the, there's so many wonderful guides, that's what I would call them in this film, uh, into this world of the unconscious or the consciousness of of this world. Uh, Who was the first uh, person that you approached? I really have to think about it because we have been writing with everybody first before we actually met our protagonists. Um, One of the first persons uh, we met was Monica Galliano, the plant researchers. She um, had a conference in Brussels and uh, was there. So she was in Europe. She usually lives in Australia. And she called us up after we wrote her a letter if she would be interested in collaborating with us, uh, that she could come visit us in Berlin. That was wonderful. So she came and stayed with us for five days and we did our first interviews and we became really close friends. And she opened us this absolutely fascinating world of uh, research into plant consciousness, plant cognition and plant uh, communication. Yes, it's still fascinating to me after we have been working with Monica for years and after working on this film for years, um, I'm still amazed about her research. Yeah, I remember, this goes back to the early 70s, and I do remember there was a book or there was a, there was some kind of a, a news story that came out. It became kind of a thing that people talked about, which was, that plants sensed fear, plants sensed they were reacting to certain circumstances. And it, it's, you know, it's part of a continuum of things that I've heard over the course of my lifetime, which is that our current ability to understand the world is very, very limited. And there are things that are that are true that we can't quite prove yet in terms of a scientific, as you were speaking of, Eric, sort of the idea of that yeah. Cartesian sense of if, if we can't prove it in a lab, then it's it's not real or it's it's less valuable or whatever it might be. And and then you go back to these ancient traditions, the indigenous people. It's it's true, <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to get to here is so much of what's in the film is just for in for the Western mind has not reached a kind of a threshold of understanding. Is that a fair way to put it, Eric? Well, it's, unfortunately, your question is really complicated by the fact that that book that we all knew, which is The Secret Life of Plants, turns out to have been somewhat of a fraud. And it actually set the whole science of the consciousness of plants back 20 years. That after that, nobody would touch it. And part of what we're seeing is that, and I, the other part of that that's complicated is what makes Monica so special, I think, is that many of us, including myself, have long thought that plants are conscious or may be conscious or have a love of, of plants, et cetera. What Monica did was take that thought and go one further and that she applied experiments that were often used for animals on plants. I mean, she did take it back to the lab. And so Monica has both. I mean, we call her the Jane Goodall of of plants. But those experiments in her lab are what 
allowed her to communicate. I mean, in some ways, science is also like a language. You need to do the work so that you can communicate to other people who otherwise would not be receptive to your ideas. And that's what's made Monica so special. But to the second part of your question, which is what is interesting about that and so much of the new science we find is that it's correlating a lot with the, let's say, I mean, I don't wanna make it too simplistic, but things that traditional tribal peoples have been telling us for millennia and that we, it's not only that we didn't believe it, we didn't even bother to test it. And what makes Monica, I mean, her experiments are often incredibly simple, which is the beauty of it, to establish the consciousness of plants. It's just that nobody thought of even doing this before her, or very few people thought about doing this before her. That, that's what makes her radical. Thank you for that bit of information about the, the hidden life of plants. I just, I blew right by that part of the story. But thank you for disabusing me of that. I will. I mean, in some ways. Yeah. Well, you and I, you and a lot of us. Yeah. Know, well. Like, yeah. Um, it, it's it. In some ways, it's a happy fraud to me. Right. I mean. Right. Yeah. Uh, that right. may not have been exactly accurate, but it yeah. led to something, something else. Praka, the the, uh, the idea of this film is th it's about. I mean, what greater question can you ask of human beings? You know, what is consciousness? what is our place in, in this world that we inhabit. And what I love about the film, Aware Glimpses of Consciousness, is that it's an outer inner journey that you take us on. It's the outside world, our connection to it. And then we delve into this internal, our minds and our ability to understand the world around us. And it's just a beautiful symmetry to this film. How did that come into, the, into to this film in terms of the project? the inner, this, the, the, the journey into the mind, if you will. Yes, it was a very big part of our approach to the film was the idea that consciousness is probably the only research object which you can approach from both outside uh, through objective science, but also from inside through meditation or by taking psychedelic substances or Sufi uh, dance, uh, different things. And uh, plant biology would be an approach from the outside while, while plant communication by indigenous people is an approach from the inside. And so, so this inside outside approach was what interested us from the beginning very much. And I think it's, it's really also the common thread of one of the common threads of the film that there are always these pairs of protagonists, like Monica Galliano as a plant biologist has partly the outside approach as a scientist, but also um, comes very close to the indigenous approach, uh, like Josefa Kirvin Kulix, who is a Mayan healer who communicates with plants in an intuitive way. Christoph Koch uh, approaches consciousness uh, by very high-tech brain research while Mathieu Ricard as a Buddhist monk, um, who is also a biologist, a molecular biologist, um, but he approaches now consciousness from the inside by intense, intensive meditation. And, and so, and the third pair we have is in the, in the field of psychedelic research. Roland Griffith is probably the most famous researcher of psychedelics. Um, and on the other hand, a philosopher 
Rick Boothby, who took part in the psychedelic study, but his research was from the inside by taking the substance. So the whole film is actually about this outside inside perspective. And we really hope that um, through all these different perspectives, at the end, the audience will be able to make their own mosaic or their own puzzle uh, of what these glimpses of consciousness could lead to. I would say, I would add to that, Mike, that our original idea was really to find people with radically different ideas about consciousness, researching consciousness, but from as far and wide as we could, we thought we could get, starting with a very materialist scientist, which was Christoph Koch at the, you know, the head of the Allen Brain Institute, um, with 300 scientists working under him. But this incredible span. And the idea was to use this metaphor, this what we Americans use, but also Indians use this metaphor of the elephant, the six blind men and the elephant that they're sent out into the night. And they all come across this elephant and they're, they're told to research it and everybody comes back with a different story. That was the basis of our film in the, in the beginning. And that's how we wrote our proposal. What surprised us with that after having taken these, these perspectives that were radically different is that we thought to very vaguely that at the end of the film, we would come back with these six or seven pieces of a mosaic, which were sort of vague, and maybe you could find out the outline of an elephant. Well, in a way that metaphor did not hold up in the film. I mean, as much as we push it at the beginning, what surprised me most and still surprises me most is how similar everyone's view of consciousness actually was in the end. I, I didn't expect that at all. That, that's not something that we had scripted in any way. And, and even Christoph Koch, I mean, here he is, you know, he's supposed to be this pure material scientist, has a panpsychic viewpoint. You know, his, his viewpoint is not so different in a way than the rest of the protagonists in the film. That really surprised me. As I'm watching it, the thing that would occur to me is that whether you're an outside seeker of the, the connection with the world around us or you're seeking the, the internal, uh, the consciousness of, your, of yourself, you can't do one successfully or to a level of understanding that that you can you can comprehend and not be convinced of the other one i don't know how you would be able to do that to understand the outside world the connection to the outside world the interconnection of plants and trees and animals to to the world and the consciousness of of that part and not understand that this is something that is an individual recognition of of our connection to all of these things as well I don't know how you could do that. Well, that comes close to what I yeah. personally think after doing this film. Of course, there are people, there are a lot of people who would not agree with that, certainly. And there are people, you know, writing regularly for the New York Times about, you know, that the brain is simply a computer made of meat and they would not acknowledge what you're saying in any way, shape or form. I think one of the things that we try very hard to do in not just this film, but in all of our films is not hand anybody answers. That's very important to us. You know, that the idea behind the film is that you are on a voyage with the rest of this. And I don't expect the viewers, and I wouldn't want the viewers to end up with the same 
my same opinion at the end of the film as I as as I do. I, I you know that would be a, a failure in my mind. And and what could be more nebulous than consciousness anyway? But having said that, going back to this idea of what united all of our our protagonists, and this is something I would never have expected that Max Planck, the the father of quantum physics. And a, and a rigorous scientist, I mean, you can imagine at the turn of the last century, 1900, when he discovered quantum mechanics, at the end of his life said, I'm paraphrasing, he said, consciousness is fundamental and everything else in the universe is secondary. Now, I was amazed that all of our protagonists, no matter who they were, agreed with that statement. I think they interpreted it differently, but that's a statement right out of Hinduism. That's, yeah, there are a lot of things I'm still digesting through my own little Cartesian dialectic here, Mike, and I'm, I'm not done with this voyage at all myself. Well, isn't there something about, and I'm going to my affinity for Buddhism, mm-hmm. isn't there something about the ego, the, the, the research that's being done by Christoph, is it Koch? Do I have that right? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, Koch. yes. Uh, yeah. Christoph, that uh, is about our desire, and it's a great trait of human beings to want to pull things apart and figure out how they work. And all we're all better for that. I'm, I'm completely about that. But there is something else about the other side of this, Raka, that, that is about letting go and not worrying or not so obsessed with something to the point where you lose sight of the bigger picture of what it is. So while Christoph is doing his work, and that's fantastic, and it will help us figure out how to cure Alzheimer's and all kinds of brain-related illnesses and maladies. The other part of it is, as you're figuring it out, you should also be awed by how this plugs in to the rest of the world around us, how our brain is able to plug in to this conscious. And this is just me <laughs> saying these things, but this is how I feel about it, that it, it this is the mechanism that allows us to understand the world around us and to, in some ways, let go. I would... I would say that's very well said, Mike. I mean, and that's very, I mean, and I I share your affinity for Buddhism maybe more now than ever after doing this film. And it and this core idea of ego that in these in these studies from Johns Hopkins, I think the single most amazing fact about it is simply people's responses. I mean, they've had 700 people on these trips, and these are people without any drug experience that. 80% or nearly 80% say that this is one of the five most important experiences of their lives on par with the birth of a first child or the death of a parent. This is in a five-hour session. Almost 40% say that this was the most important experience of their lives. And what I think that they're referring to, because people write about this, it's part of their assignment is to write about this, is for the first time in their lives, and in fact, the character in our film, Rick Boothby, the philosopher, talks very eloquently about this, is that ego is suddenly removed. And they experience something in back of ego that they and most of us don't even realize exists. And it's what the Buddhists have been telling us forever, that we are not this construct that we have made of the outside world in our heads that there is something, I mean, it's still in our heads, but there is something in back of that that is far more fundamental and connects us with the universe. Yeah. 
what makes it so profound, these people's experience, in, in my estimation, would be the fact that they had been told something completely different than the experience they had going through that psychedelic, that psilocybin experience. Yeah, I think um, it is really amazing that many people who, I don't know, where, where even non-believers, atheists, um, had nothing to do with religion or spirituality, have a spiritual experience with psychedelics. I mean, they, they to a, a remarkable degree, uh, in the statistics of these studies, uh, it shows people who encounters the divine or encounter uh, um, eternal consciousness or encounter suddenly the persuasion that something exists or continues to exist after physical death. And um, there is not really a good explanation for that. So far, they um, it, it just happens and people are surprised and it changes their lives. And, and that really surprised us too. I mean, the, Rick Boosby in our film is just one of the stories. He said he never had anything to do with religion. He was um, a non-believer. And now he, he wouldn't he hesitate to say that he encountered God in his, uh, in his uh, psychedelic experience. And it changed his life, his personal life and his professional life also as a philosopher. I mean, he wrote two books about it now. I think the second question, Mike, in our film that may not have been even clear, so clear to us is, it's not simply what is consciousness, it's also what on earth is pure consciousness? I mean, it's, I mean this is a, an all a term that, you know, a general term, the divine God, call it what you will, that it raises these studies and along with the film itself and in various aspects, ask that question over and over. That's, that's, that implicit question is at, as important in the film as what is consciousness. And, and I don't have any answer. I mean, I probably have left less answers for myself than before, but um, it certainly is, I'm convinced that it is the greatest mystery that we have. Yeah. I'll end on this note. The indigenous people of the world that have been colonized, marginalized, have been told that they they don't matter in so many different ways, mm -hmm. have been plugged into something that that is about this. I mean, I'm generalizing. I don't know that every indigenous group in the world has ever come to this point, but I'm just the ones that we see in the film have been aware of this connection to something of a greater consciousness, a higher consciousness, our own human connection to all the things around us for as long as we know of them, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and all, all the substances, I mean, and now talked about psychedelic and now um, it's discussed as potential healing for depression or other, other mental diseases. Um, and I mean, the indigenous people of the world, different indigenous people, especially in South America, have used this um, substances for millennia as a medicine. I mean, not as a drug for, for their fiestas or parties or rituals only, but as a, as a healing medicine. And now science is coming back in a circle and is discovering this. 
I mean, that we find really fascinating. I mean, that the, all these marginalized people, it shows now that they have a knowledge and discovered many things that science is only beginning to discover. Right. Yeah. There are two things I'd like to say in closing, if I can, Mike, is that our first film in this trilogy dealt with that, which is Heart of Sky, Heart of Earth, which where we spent three years with the Maya. And that's, you know, that's very much in there as well. But the second is that um, Aware Glimpses of Consciousness is going to be in movie theaters starting this week across the United States. And I, I hope people will, like us, will be provoked into seeing it and will, yeah, and go on their own journey if they're provoked enough. Yes, and thank you for bringing that up. The film is opening here in Los Angeles. Uh, again, uh, I believe it's a Lemley. Is it the Lemley yeah, Royal? Santa Monica. Oh, the, yeah. oh, the art, the... Um... The Lemley Theater in Santa Monica. Right, right. The Monica. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll it'll, all this information will be on the Film School Radio well, website, as well as at uh, the aware-film.com is another place where you can go to find out more about um, all of that information. And uh, it is... a. Uh, eye-opening film. Uh, it is beautiful to look at. The cinematography is spectacular in the film. And it also is, it gives me hope that more and more the science is coming around to the, the Western mindset to a way in which we can begin to understand that we are not islands. We are here. We are part of something greater than ourselves and that we can, we can move into a place in our own lives that it makes the journey so much more enjoyable and profound. So thank you so very much for your time today. The film, again, Aware Glimpses of Consciousness. We've been joined by the co-directors of the film, Eric Black and Frauke Sandig. To both of you, thank you so very much for being here today. Beautiful thank you so much, Mike, for having us. <laughs> You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.